Hello? Hello, welcome in. That's not a game behind us. What what are you talking about? We're not watching a game right now. Come on in, everybody. I'm gonna take this. I'm like freaked out. We have guests with us today, a big old multicast. Come on in, everybody. We have Peggy, a uh, newer face to the channel from Curious Peggy. Then we have Yashu. Everybody knows Yashu Hello. from Hit That Bit. And we got Nico from Investing Against the Grain. Thanks, y'all. I'm taking this down, bro. I'm like literally like mortified. You think it that, before yeah, before God. they come and they say, what you doing, man? Be before the feds operated. come and take me down. <laughs> 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 How's everybody doing? I hope everybody's good. Um, we're on, this is Tuesday, a little bit after 11 o'clock uh, a.m. Central. And yeah, we're just going to sit down and talk about Tesla stock. We have, um, uh, you know, the four of us obviously are uh tesla stock investors we've been exposed to the story quite a bit and um Peggy reached out to me a couple of weeks ago uh you know asking hey do you think it'll be a good idea to sit down and have a sort of roundtable discussion around all the craziness that's been going on with tesla stock sort of getting different people in the community to just have a sort of a sit down and really <laughs> air everything out as long as as far as you know, the, some of the frustrations and the performance of the stock and all that good stuff so uh we're gonna all the four of us are gonna sit down we're just gonna you know just just imagine you're part of a conversation with us in the comments section and we're all sitting down and just chatting about what's going on and try to figure stuff out. So, um, yeah, Peggy, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Maybe set the stage for us and then we can turn into a discussion while I find the appropriate background here before I get Yeah, man, let's now. do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you all for coming. This is going to be a, an epic and juicy uh, video about Tesla and Tesla stock crashing. What is it right now? Almost reaching 60%. So, I mean, that's why I put here, whoops, wrong way, rip, rip Tesla, man, rip Tesla. But like, you know, well, how do you guys feel about this test? You know, I mean, this past Monday, we had a record delivery numbers, like of 100K, and yet it got spin into a negative narrative. And now it's like, <laughs> you know, it just, it just, it's weird. It's really weird. So what do you guys think about this? Anybody want to take that? Yeah, so I'll start. I mean, first of all, uh, thanks for everyone for coming. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of this is macro driven. I've, I've been talking about it, like with Tesla's beta, it's gonna, it, it's, it sucks to see where we're at, considering how relatively strong we were to start the year. But in the last couple of months, Tesla's beta has caught up to it, or you can argue that uh, Elon and Twitter and the side noise there has caught up to it, whatever narrative you want to follow there. So, I mean, it does suck. I would be a lot more worried if this wasn't macro related. Like if macro was somehow positive for the year or flat and Tesla was where it's at, I'd be a lot more worried. Uh, considering where macro is at, I think Tesla could release a robo taxi tomorrow. I've said this before, you know, uh, uh, people saying uh, in the chat, like if robo taxi happened tomorrow, I'm not sure how much of an effect the market would have on Tesla for that, because that's just how crazy macro um, driven every equity is at the moment. Yeah. I think for me, it's, it's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put it with, like, listening to Yashu talk about it. You talked about this, I think last week or the week before on, on your streams, it like really clicked with me. It's like, if you look at the yearly, like the performance year to date of Tesla, and you put it within the context of the rest of the market and where the beta usually is, like Tesla ain't that far from where it usually is in a in respects to following what the market does, you know, as a sort of a, as a proxy. So I'm like, okay, so that, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> if you go back in time, I think there was a, um, there was quite a bit of, a, um, just this year with all the news with Elon and Twitter and, 
and the craziness around him taking over that company, you really think about it. What percentage of the year was really dominated by those headlines? It's like more than half. It started in April and now it's November, December. And that storyline that's that's tied to the to the to the story has been more than half than the entire year's worth of headlines. And so I think that is absolutely um ingrained in the Tesla investor mindset that because this is going on, this has to be a big part of it. And, you know, I've had guests on my channel talking about Twitter overhang and all that stuff. And I think I think there is a there is a merit to that from the standpoint that there is a percentage of the investing base that is paying attention to that story. But as far as like putting that within context of a short-term, medium-term, long-term investor, the long-term investor is going to look at what's going on today and they're going to say, I don't care. I don't care because I'm not looking to sell my stock anytime soon. I have faith in the company's execution. I have faith that the company is going to be extremely profitable in the future. I have faith in the leadership of the company that has a proven track record of executing. I have faith in the technology that is a moat and superchargers and full and full self-driving and the bot in the future. So there, there's all these positives. And it's really the the short-term and medium-term investor that has a that that I think has every right to feel the way they do with the frustration because the actions that are, I think, that are being done by say, not I guess not actions, the at well, the action of Elon Musk buying Twitter plus some of the um negative effects of that could very well weigh down the stock. And but again, it's a short term to medium term formula. So it's like these two camps are kind of going to war. <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, there's two camps going to war. And I think both both sides are have very valuable insights. And I think they're both correct. It shows as an individual investor, you have to ask yourself, what am I lo really looking out of the stock? What am I looking out of my investing? Am I am I looking to sell and make a profit here in the near term? Or am I really invested for the long term? So that's how I think about it. Um, I don't know if uh, Nico has any thoughts or anybody else, but that's that's kind of where my head's at. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you guys are all hitting the nail on the head with this. Uh, it's just, I mean, I think it's a simple answer for a lot of this. I think one everybody sees the stock going down and it's painful and everybody wants an answer and they want something to be the cause of it, whether it's the Twitter overhang, whether it's Elon saying something. I think if you are a little more pragmatic, if, if you imagine we're back to when Yashu had his infamous $1,000 <laughs> moment and that's the era we're living in, all this noise probably maybe it affects Tesla a little bit. 10, 20 bucks at, at that time, those prices, but it's nothing significant. So I think everything's just amplified right now with this current climate. And why is that? I think it always goes back to the same thing. Don't fight the Fed. As long as the Fed's doing what they're doing, it's going to continue to be like this, where any bit of bad news gets amplified and that became becomes the main story. And it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, you, you can tell very obviously who has a lot of option contracts and who's getting hurt by it. You, you can, you can tell, and you know, I'm not saying that's good or bad, or I'm not trying to call anyone out. I have option contracts that I'm getting killed on right now, but you can tell it hurts worse. And those are more vocal people, you know, anyone who has leaps and stuff like that, like it sucks. I get it. But at the end of the day, I think you have to go back to what you're talking about. Far as odds, the, the bigger picture. And in reality, a lot of us, bought leaps for that bigger picture thinking that that was long-term enough and nobody could have predicted this nobody no matter what you say and I, I i do hear people say like don't fight the fed like i just said but 
you could also argue you weren't fighting the Fed before when they kept saying, well, it's transitory. Well, it's transitory. Okay, you're the experts. We're supposed to believe you, right? Oh, you're wrong. So, you know, so I, I think you just have to wait till the Fed realizes what I think a lot of us think about inflation. And until then, expect this to be chopped. Expect everything to be extra volatile and amplified. It's where we're at. This is the current market. But the, the question is that I have is that if the Fed pivots, do you think that's going to be the bottom? Like, let's take Tesla, for example, because we have so much Twitter noise. Because right now, what's dragging the price down for Tesla is 80%, 90% Twitter. And so I'm thinking that even if there's a, you know, um, a, a Fed pivot, yeah, we might see an increase of maybe 10% in the stock. 20% maybe, but do you think the massive noise of, of what's happening for Twitter is still going to affect it and not go up as much as we all think it may go up? I don't, um, I think the Twitter damage, if you want to call it that, the collateral has kind of already been done. I think now it's, you know, maybe you want to call it 10%, 15%. I don't know. I'd have to look at the, look at the graph of, of when it all started, but I think that damage is kind of baked in. Um, the way I look at it now is like, uh, Nicholas, like you're saying with the Fed. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at graphs, actually, historically speaking, when the Fed pivots, you still generally have a little bit of a dip to go post that. And then you see the markets kind of rally after. But this general recession, if you want to call it that, or this general pivoting or pausing that we're looking forward to from the Fed is a little bit unique considering the circumstances that we've had in the couple of years post-COVID lockdown. It doesn't feel like the normal conservative approach towards federal policy and you know benchmarks that we look at fits in. It, it, you know, everyone is worried that the Fed is already not looking at inflation data that has substantially come down and looking at, for example, the, the jobs market and saying, oh, it's quite hot. So, we're, you know, this is this keeps us on our toes when if you really read into a lot of the jobs report, um, a lot of the stuff is, is part time work. Uh, there's still a substantial base of uh, po the population that is still unemployed, like, you know, and it, Economics is so stupid that way because, you know, if, if you're looking for a job and X amount of time passes or you just give up on looking for a job, you're not you're no longer a part of that statistic anymore. So the unemployment actually goes down in that respect. So there's so many flawed metrics here to look at. But I think the biggest thing here that we need to do is probably zoom out and say, OK, how does this minutely affect Tesla? And if we focus on that aspect of it, the biggest um, it, leverage there, I think, is is demand. If you took if you talk about it, right just from a business standpoint. So will the increasing of rates that have ha already happened uh, lower demand at the marginal level? Yes. Will that shrink backlog to the point where Tesla will have negative backlog? I don't think so. Will China's um, shrinking of their economy and overall disaster of their zero COVID strategy going on lower demand? Yes. Will it also lower backlog to the point where it's now negative? Maybe in China. If that happens, what happens? Well, they have to export there. We already saw the rumor yesterday with them lowering production. So I just look at all of the general case scenarios and I just think all of these are just general market conditions. I don't look at Tesla specifically and say, okay, now all of a sudden because Elon bought Twitter, 20% less people will buy a Tesla today mm. um, than they were a month ago. 
maybe it's a marginal amount. And I see people in the comments, even yesterday when I was streaming, I saw a couple of folks say, I've canceled my order now. Fair enough. But I don't think it's enough to look at the backlog and now say that's made a material hit on the backlog. For now, if Tesla was at 10 million units per uh, per year, for example, and, and we had this overall uh, debacle, let's say, if you want to call it that, maybe at that point, because you you because like, you could probably ascertain the, the backlog of Tesla's vehicles would be a lot lower than it is now. With Tesla at 1.4 million vehicles, there's still a small player in the overall car market. In the EV market, different story, but in the car market. So I don't look at the marginal levels and go, okay, this affects it for the growth for the next x amount of years yeah. i could be wrong on that I'd, I'd be curious to hear if you guys think otherwise but that's just the way i look at the overall fed policy and the pivot and even if they do pivot uh might have a little bit of pain ahead i think housing is the elephant in the room uh with respect to that i agree with you 100 percent. yeah i think i think the could, like could the fed pivot uh ease some of the fears of people that have money uh to incentivize them to put money in the stock market and Tesla's going to benefit from that action? Yeah, it could. Well, 100%, right? Uh, could it also, like, th there was a data set that, that that I keep seeing that says, you know, the, the stock market bottoms six months before uh, the re a recession takes hold of an economy or something along those lines. Yeah, like, the, the stock market is, like, forward-looking. Okay, cool. But, like, again, like, I think Yashu's ultimate point is is the one that, that makes the most sense to me and the one that is actually rooted in facts and the one that's actually rooted in what's real is that Tesla's demand and their pricing power is second to none. And their moats around the technology that's going to dominate the roads and full self-driving in the next 10 years, it appears that it's second to none. And the ability to scale a cheap car that most of the world can afford, as far as I'm aware, they're the only ones that can do so profitably. You know, even if you take some somebody like a BYD that's in China who's doing really well, let's let's give them credit. They are a very good manufacturer. They're cranking out cars. Half of their cars are full electric, and the other half are hybrids. So their numbers are they they appear a little skewed, but they're still one of the largest electric vehicle automakers in the world. But their profitability is nowhere near where Tesla's is uh, from that respect. So so what does that mean uh, in within the context of actually penetrating the markets that are going to truly matter in the next decade for electric vehicles, Tesla is the best well positioned from a pricing perspective, which implies that once they release the $25,000 car or the robotaxi or whatever the hell they're working on, that's going to become the likely cheapest cost per mile vehicle in the world or one of the cheapest ones in the world per mile. And so that, that is the ultimate equation here. That's what really matters. That's what really matters. Tesla's going to have the cheapest per mile car in the world. And for people that are, let's, let's role play during like, say, a recession, as an example. Say a recession does take hold globally in the next one to two years and everyone's fear around, oh my God, like everything's, you know, uh, coming to a halt and it's going to be a, a pretty nasty recession. Okay. So my, my theory is that even in those conditions, you're going to have a segment of the population that's going to be looking to purchase a car or to use some sort of transportation that's going to be very cost conscious. And within that context, if Tesla has the cheapest cost per mile solution in the world at that moment, that's it. Like that's the only thing you need. 
because those people are not paying attention to Twitter. Those people couldn't give a shit about that, right? They, they don't care about the drama that's going around Elon. They're like, how can I just won the best bank for my buck? And I, I'm a, <laughs> right now I'm trying to save as much money as I can. And I want something that's going to be able to fit my lifestyle. That's, that's it. And so if Tesla executes on that, which every sign points to yes so far, then that is ultimately what matters. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, imagine, imagine like, oh, in the next three, four years, when they come out with that compact car that they're doing, that's half the price of the Model 3 and Model Y. That's, that's, that's an end game. That's an end game right there. That's like, so, they could do like. So I guess sorry. my whole thing is like, how do you, how do you communicate that? Like the person that is, uh, like your message on your board is ripped Tesla, right? So, yeah. so, so how do you, so how do we contextualize that? for the folks that are like, hey, I don't care. Like the stock is down 60%, you know, this thing sucks. Like that's the challenge, right? So how, how do you think about that? Yeah, so right, well, obviously right now we're all, we're in a bear market and there's a lot of FUD on Tesla, there's a lot of FUD. And honestly, I'm thankful for this crash because I've been buying with every spare cent that I got that I'm at a point that I don't know how I'm gonna pay my next bill. <laughs> I'm actually at this point right now with Tesla stock, um, but you got to hold it out, man. I mean, look at look at 2008 crash, man. Look, if you like when you when you if you could pull up the chart from 2008, let's say, for example, Apple, right? They introduced the iPhone back in 2000. I think it was seven, I believe. And it had a massive crash of around 60, 60 to 70 percent in 2008. And we're in that same situation of being revolutionized. Like at that time, we we're going from flip phones to now like iPhone um, you know, touchscreen, which was like, you know, next level. Now it's happening with cars. We're going to electric, you know, we're going with cool features that we never had before, full self-driving, you know, we're, go we're in this phase. And um, this is literally how I'm seeing this. It's like, a mid like I, I don't want to say it's a big 2008, but it's like something similar to, to 2008, especially with Tesla stock. Because if we look back all the way back in 2007 and 2009, where Apple crashed like 60, 70%, no one cared. It was a massive bear market. But then when they saw the numbers rolling and then when, they, when the bear market left, and the whole, we, we went into a massive bull market where now Apple is the most valued company in the world, about 2.3 trillion. So this is literally what's happening with Tesla in 2022. You know, they're hitting record numbers, record profits, record earnings, and we're in the middle of a recession. And it's just other factors that's taking the stock down. They have no debt. They have nothing. Like just if you look at the company's balance sheet, it's flawless. If you look at their execution, flawless. They're just killing it right now. And yet the stock is down 50, 60%. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And so for that, as you guys see here, just been going all in Tesla stock. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I push can... back just to, I mean, just to spice things up a little bit here. Yeah. I would, uh, I'd, I'd push back a little bit on the flawless because here we go. Let's talk about PR. This one's for uh, boomer mama. Okay. <laughs> Shout if out Tesla and Yashu talked about this on his live stream yesterday. I, he's my background noise when I'm working, <laughs> but he, he mentioned this and I've thought about this for, I've talked to my wife about this like a lot, but if there was, you know, whether it's YouTube community or just one person from Tesla where, it would just be the most most idiot proof type blog post where it's this article and here are not not the truth right not like what we're actually doing but here's what is wrong 
here's what this is inaccurate in this article. And that's all it was, just something that was just public. You have this thing, here's where they were wrong. You know, just something like that, just to call it out. So kind of like a PR team, if Tesla could do stuff like that, I think that would be better execution. I think that would be better for the shareholders. I think that'd be better for the employees who have ESPPs. I think that'd be better for the brand, you know, just to kind of call out some of the FUD because there's so much. And in an era where it's all, all about clickbaiting, and this is how you guys know I watch too much of your stuff. You know, today said that anything with Elon Musk on it, including that tweet he put, gets the most <laughs> attention. So people say Elon Musk, they say Tesla, they say all the time, just to get that attention. So these news, news media outlets, they're going to do whatever they can to be the first one to break a story. And, and so there needs to be some way to combat that. And I think at this point with the change of everything, you have to account for that. And I understand where we were before, you know, for the lifespan of Tesla, we haven't needed that for the most part. Well, I guess they did have a PR team at one point, but now times are different. Right, things are a lot different. The 2019 to 2022, way different world. Not even close to the same world. And I, with that same type of thinking, I would also apply that to any charts you look at. Like you can make the example about Apple in 0809. Okay, but if I take you back to 2001, the the dot com uh, bust there. Well, it was five six years before we ever recovered. So I, I would also factor that into it. And even then, with any charts you're looking at, keep in mind. There are more people out there who are engaged in trading or have Robinhood accounts or whatever. So any historical trend we've seen about how long it takes things to recover or hit a bottom, that might happen faster because there's more information. There's more people out there. So, I mean, so, you know, the past is a good thing to look at, but it's by no means a predictor of the future. So that's a lot of things. I just want to circle back. But, mm. but yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. But PR, what do you guys think? Would that be better execution? PR is Tesla is a free uh, little like lick for like for for just media outlets, right? Like what you're saying is basically you can say whatever you want, because, of course, they're going to ask for Tesla for comment. We know that Tesla's not going to reply for the most part. Elon might reply every now and then to like there's his specific friend journalist or something like we'll hear uh, Elon replied to me and said this. But for the most part, if he's going to reply, it's going to be via Twitter. But it's a free hit, right? What we saw yesterday was from Tesla China saying these are untrue. Now, that's a Pandora's box, of course. Like, what I often ask myself, what would Apple do in this scenario? Right. Because I kind of look at Apple as the gold standard for better or for worse as a corporate leader. You could say it's antiquated now. You could say they're, 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 they're over, they're overblown, whatever. But I continue to look at them as someone to reach and strive for in terms of corporate governance. And so I look at, what Tesla China did yesterday, and they said these are un these rumors are, are untrue with the twenty percent reduction in Model Y uh, production in um, Shanghai. And then what happened was everyone started complaining that oh they didn't specify what part what part was untrue yeah. they didn't specify what <laughs> so it's like you could give whatever answer you want and people are going to want details and then when you don't give details now they're going to assume that you're that you're just playing coy with them so it's like it's it's like you know you're you're <laughs> kind of screwed if you do screwed if you don't in Tesla scenario there what would Apple do maybe probably what Ch Tesla China did yesterday and kind of leave it at that like you know the yeah. problem is I I. You guys know I'm on team Tesla needs to have some sort of communications department or PR for the brand reputation. But in the same vein, I do see the pointed attacks towards Tesla as just kind of like easy targets. So I, I don't also want to feed the beast in that respect, right? Because then you start feeding them and then it's kind of like a back and forth war. 
But I continue to look at Tesla's brand reputation as a long-term thing that we have to protect. I don't think in the next couple of years, it's going to be an issue for growth. Um, granted, if production is there, I think it's like, uh, you know, we're, we're talking in 2030 and we're saying, man, if, if Tesla's weren't known for this, you know, like, like, you know, we all know that Volvo's are known for their safety or, you know, we all know X company is known for this. Like we want to establish this sort of brand and Tesla will come back at me and say, look, the, the product will do its talking. Look at the impact report, look at the safety. Like that's all you need to know. You don't need me to say it, but I do think perception is reality. So I, I do agree with you there, Nick. But can, can I just real quick, because I want to give you credit, even though you like you kind of disagree with what I was saying, but I want to give you more credit because your idea, which I'm sure a lot of people have, have had this idea, but I think you're the first person I've heard vocalize it. Your idea of having kind of a, a ledger of this is what was said. This is false. Here's what's false. If you could have, sure, this one time, yeah, maybe does nothing. But if you start to have a series of those where over time we're like, okay, yep, here's another one. Tesla says false. Turns out Tesla's right. Tesla's right again. Tesla's right again. Like that, beco that becomes how you build the trust. And so then people look at that as a source of truth rather than whatever comes out. And so what happens is this article comes out. People are like, oh, you know, what the F? And then they go to check that ledger and it's like, oh, okay, nah, this is, this is garbage. You know, so I, I think you have to start somewhere and over time you build trust. And obviously what happened last mm -hmm. time with Tesla China coming out saying something that didn't quite help, you know, so, but, but. That oh yeah. Yesterday. I, yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't help because I think they look at Tesla China and they say, look, they also said they weren't going to lower prices um, exactly. two weeks before they lowered prices. So maybe there's some sort of discounting there that needs to be done. Uh, with institutions, I don't know. I got I got something to say about the price cuts. Um, I don't think the lowering the price compared to what it was uh, back in 2019. I think they're lowering the price because of the high demand that they had six months ago, due to the Shanghai factor being closed. I think they're reducing the price from that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, sorry. So we're talking about the communication. Is that what a uh... I'm just confused. So are you, are you, I'm not sure what you're referencing. Yeah. So, so Tesla, so there's rumors that Tesla was going to cut prices in Tesla, China and uh -huh. Tesla, China came out and they said, no, these rumors are false. Uh -huh. And then two weeks later in October, I think, uh, two weeks later, price cuts came or yeah. was it November? I don't know, but yeah. that was kind of what October, happened. Yeah. yeah. So that, what's, what's, I missed the point. Sorry, Peggy. Can you, yes. The you point is no, that, okay. that yeah. Tesla China said it was false, but turns out it was true. And so mm -hmm. you essentially erode that trust. Whereas if that situation never happened, when Tesla China came out this time and said it was false about the cuts, it would have been no question about it. Right. Okay. So that kind of, and that's my point that we need a ledger, but, but at the same time, this becomes the whole reason. I mean, if you remember Warren Redlick had like this meme about the problem with a PR team is that, if you don't, if you say one thing, well, then that leads to another question. If you don't respond to that, well, what does that mean? And well, you said it this way. So what does that mean? Is there really a loophole here? And it just becomes this thing where it's like, how can I ever win? So at that point, let's not have a PR team. And that's how Tesla got rid of PR team to begin with. So it just becomes this vicious cycle. Yeah. So I think, I think the only place I, I am on team, I am on team communications and whatever PR, whatever you want to call it. I, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think the point that was made around ensuring, especially now that Elon Musk is the, you know, one of the most profitable keywords in the world. And now that he owns a media company, that's probably going to be one of the largest in the world. 
every other media company is going to see him as direct competitor. So they're going to do everything they can <laughs> to uh, to survive. And that means also profiting off his name, right? So, and they'll do that in any way possible. So that, that, within that context, it makes a ton of sense to have communication. But the way I frame it is, um, that makes the most sense for short and medium term investors that are really looking to uh, understand exactly what's going on with the, with their investment, right? For for longer term investors, I think what's an interesting lens to look through, and this is sort of I constantly try to like, I don't know, like um, test my own theses in my in my head. If again, if Tesla comes down and is able to have the best cost. Uh, um, the best value for your for your for your money w- with a product, and it's undeniable by anybody. I don't think I don't think PR makes a difference because then the fundamentals of the company are just a, that's just everything at that point. And 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 the parallel I draw to and I've used this a couple of times already. This is the last time I'll use it. I promise. Is Jeff Bezos on Amazon? Hmm. Everybody hates hates Jeff. I don't, I don't. I don't know one person that's like I admire Jeff Bezos. Everybody's like kind of like, great. Final two, three. <laughs> do we have three with Peggy? I you think people do, man. I think people okay. yeah, the man. world. I do. I, I own a few <laughs> shares of Amazon, man. Of course, Amazon okay. is great, amazing. But yes, yeah. Jeff. Farzad hates him a lot. You no, I don't. I don't. I actually admire him. Farzad, can I push back on that a little bit? Please, yeah, of course. Why don't you day trade? Oh, uh, maybe you do. I don't know. But why don't you? No, that's a great question. Account? That's a great question. Because to busy. me, it's <laughs> I'm too busy making well, that... YouTube videos. Oh, oh, uh, no, um, it's volatile. The reason... right? it's, it's not it's, it's yeah. risky. It's not long term looking all that. Right. That's so, correct. With all this noise, without some type of PR team, something to get Tesla to seem less risky. A lot of a lot of money <clears> won't go into Tesla because they see Tesla the same way as you would see day trading. And so for a long-term investor, I do think this matters because at the end of the day, to get more investors, more hedge funds, more, more retirement funds to want to go into Tesla, I think there needs to be that trust and that stability within the stock. And I think that does matter from a long-term perspective. So let me push back on that. So, so is, is the statement then that there there are no long-term investors in Tesla because they feel like the communications of the of the lack of communications of the company will ruin the company. Is that is that no. sort of the end game and that's why they're not investing in it? Not not saying there are none. I'm saying there would be more. Okay. Yeah, it's just widening the pool. You're just making I, the pool larger. Yeah. I think I you guys that. are I think you guys are missing the forest for the trees here. The reason why communication matters is brand reputation in the long run. I don't care about stock investors in the short term. I can make that argument. <clears throat> Pardon me. I it's the brand reputation. When I talk to a homie that knows nothing about the stock market, and the first thing he talks about with me for some reason or another is Tesla, always. And what do they always say? Oh, I saw this new story with this fire in the Tesla, and the guy can and there was no handle. Did you know there's no handle in your in your car? It's like, man, like, why does this matter? It's the long-term brand reputation. You have those people going out, spreading what they think is the gospel, uh, and it's a complete FUD. And so you have these syndicated news stories for Tesla. You're not going to hear syndicated news stories for Tesla that are positive. It's just not going to happen. So I look at not 2023, not 2024. I look at 2030 and beyond, and I say, 
what can be done to educate? It's not even community. It's not even like rebut. It's not even like debate. It's like educate people that are spread. I hear this all the time with the handle. Like it's crazy that I have to even say it. Like there is a physical handle. And to be <laughs> fair, I didn't even know there was a physical handle until like six months into, into having the car. Like I just didn't know. I was like, Oh yeah, this, Oh, it's an emergency latch. Like, of course it's my manual, but I'm not reading that. Right. Like who's going to read your car manual. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's the long-term brand reputation. That's, and so I think Farzad, you're right. Short-term, you can make this argument, like who cares? But I also think, uh, Nicholas, you're right. <laughs> I think you're more correct, Nicholas, because I, I think the long-term <gasps> brand reputation matters uh, a, a lot more. That's let me, let me, let me propose something then. Do you think, do you think the reason why it hasn't come to fruition yet is because, um, and this, you know, if Elon hears this, he might get pissed at me, but do you think he's depending yes. too much on this community? No, to make that happen. I think How he think likes about to that? set the narrative. I think Elon likes to set the narrative. I mean, Elon looked like it's because of Elon Tesla's where it's at today. He likes to be the the end all be all for communications for Tesla. It's probably not easy for him to give up that line of of this is what the company's stance is when he's the founder. Like he's he's in it. Uh, so I think it's more about Elon wanting to just make sure that he is the end all be all with the communications. That's just my opinion. Any other thoughts? I think there might be a little ego in the way. Okay. Elon's not a man without ego. I have ego. We all, everyone in this call, I can tell, has ego. But we're all I falling. Think, How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm sure that's a little part of it. But it, I also think he's fairly pragmatic because they do have PR in China. So, hmm. you know, so, that's such a good so, point. Yeah. Well, yeah. China's, China's a different beast, right? Like they'll actually go after people. They'll actually sue them if they're spreading misinformation or the, the, at the auto show, there was that protester that stood on the table. Like she, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure she had a, a repercussion. So it's a different beast there for what reason? I don't know. Uh, but yeah. So. Yeah. Edgy, what are you I thinking? Oh, oh, sorry. No, I'm just thinking, I'm like, I mean, I mean, all the major companies do have a PR team. Um, it would be a very good idea for Tesla to have one, especially in like in, in North America and Europe as well. But I think this will come as we go in the future. I mean, it, it's a no brainer. I mean, they kind of have to do it because look at all the FUD they're getting today. So, um, I would, I would, I would see in down the line a few years from now, hundred percent, they would have to have some PR team. Or you in, don't like, even need a PR team. team. Yeah. Just have a hype team. You know, to Yashi's point, like right, don't even don't even address any of the concerns or the FUD out there. Instead, just hype everything, you know, talk about how great FSD is. Talk about how you have, you know, you don't need it, but if you need it, you could have a manual way to open your car from inside, you know, and, you know, most people yell at you if you use it. <laughs> but, you know, like just hype it up, like get people excited about Cybertruck, different features, you know, like just something to get more positive stuff out there. You know, maybe that's the way to do it. Counteract all of negativity with more positivity. So haven't they, like, I, maybe the argument here to counter that, to push back again, is that Tesla does put out content on Twitter and YouTube and other places hyping up their products. So, like, how are more. you just saying more frequency? Like, just do it more? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and to be fair, that being said, it's not like this. We're not proposing this as the solution for uh, anything. No, we are. Like fully, we are. No, oh, this is like the world, round table. This of, solves world. This is, it. this is it. It'll solve everything. <laughs> and we'll we'll all thank Mary at the end. 
But as we talk about Q4 numbers, though, um, you know, I I really look at, I think those, I think the Q4 numbers end of January are going to paint the big picture. I mean, you talk about having a full quarter of production. I mean, minus a couple of days, it sounds like in Shanghai again. It seems like you can't go uh, a quarter in Shanghai without some sort of undisrupted thing going on. But it seems like it's a full first quarter of um actuality you know we, we talked about quarter three kind of being that and then you know we had uh we had um, upgrades and all that sort of stuff so i look at quarter four numbers coming out end of january is like the big test of like okay where's tesla at with run rate because if you guys remember quarter one call elon said i want to be at uh what did he say run rate per week uh by the end of the year it was like uh in i wasn't in it was just total i think 1.5 million was the run rate by the end of the year um two i thought oh, yeah. two million is what i thought yeah so for 2020 for 2023 like from from that Q1, was the no, run rate the end, he wanted to be at by the end of the year right two million end by end of 2022 yeah okay. pretty sure yeah so oh okay yeah yeah it was two million for, yeah okay someone says in the chat um let's go ahead and uh yeah thank you producer wife drew Saul. thank you so much for the five dollar super chat what's more impactful spend money on a buyback or an effective pr team brand awareness advertising at a fraction of the cost let's address this question and get back to what you were talking about uh yash um I think, I mean, dude, a, a PR team is like, what, a million bucks a year if like at a maximum and a buyback would be billions of dollars. So I feel like yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know how you can compare those two. How do, how do you guys think about that? Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, okay. it's just it's just nothing. Yeah, yeah, to be clear, when I say PR, I mean like one person. <laughs> like I'm not like it doesn't have to be a whole thing. I mean, you, you take a Rob Bauer or someone like that inside Tesla already, like just that's it. Like somebody who already wants to get into a YouTube channel, kind of co- content create, someone who has that creativity and they want to do something, just pick that one person. That's, that's it. Like this doesn't have to be a big forklift. I mean, look look how much how many things Elon moves just with his name. You know, you, you give the Tesla logo onto a PR person in in Tesla, and yeah, it's gonna be the same effect. You know what they should do, and obviously, this is like. So they should they should put Rob on the payroll and have him do all his stuff under the Tesla name and just call it a day. You know? Hmm. Why don't they do that? I don't know. But it's like like that's literally what you're describing. I mean, that's I think that's what exactly what you said, right? Just take take somebody that's sort of a proxy or or somebody that's has is incredibly talented and good at what they do, or a Rob like person. And then that person is really the in charge of just uh, if they're almost like this. Who's the um, the lady for Biden that talks about like the White House, the secretary of state? No, that's not the secretary of state. What the hell are they? Press, the no, person. The, press the speaker, press secretary, the speaker, speaker yeah. press secretary, press, press secretary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, press secretary. Just uh, I don't know. Just get one of those for Tesla and then like kind of rewrite the game because that's kind of that's what PR teams are. Like you think about Martin Vieca and the one other person on PR on, on uh, investor relations, like he came out and said it's a two person team, and yeah. they do all investing relations for the company. It's crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. Why not do something? I mean, I think you're nailing it, Nico. I think you're you're 100 right. Um, can, yeah. can we go back to what Yashu was talking about though? As far yeah, as please. like the, the and I think this is what Peggy's original comment was about. It was so with all this noise right now around the potential cuts a slowdown or whatnot and we saw weekly numbers come out from china uh today what what do you 
I know we don't know the answer, but what do you guys think is actually going on? Is it FUD? And then I guess on that same same time, what do you guys think the the production numbers will be for for the quarter? So um, what I'm thinking is that, well, first off, it's a rumor. So no one knows exactly what's going on. And they came out and they said Tesla came out and said that it's untrue. But um, we'll see what happens in a week or two. But if there is some sort of a like, I don't know, um, cut is well, it's not a cut. It doesn't make sense to cut because they, they, might, they have high margins. They can just reduce the prices of the cars if they have to. So it doesn't make sense to cut, you know, a whole line, especially when it's a Model Y, when it's high demand. So most likely it's probably going to be like um, a, sh um, a sh shutdown, not a shutdown, but like an upgrade, you know, a two week upgrade. But I, I don't think they would do it in December when it's the last quarter of 2022. They've already had like six weeks of shutdowns beginning of the year, and that was totally because of COVID. So they lost a lot of opportunity there. And, you know, this year is a very bad year for all investors. It doesn't matter if you're a Tesla investor, Amazon investor, Google investor, or just a stock investor. It doesn't matter. But for, but for Tesla, because they missed out on over 100,000, you know, production all the way back in March or whenever the shutdown was, I don't think it, it would be in their best interest to do any upgrades or any types of shutdowns, really, unless it's out of their control for Q4. Um, what do you guys think about this? I think, I think, why, why would it be bad to do an upgrade at any point in time? So, like, the, the, the way I think about it is, um, if it's going to increase your production rate in the future, you do it whenever you can, <laughs> you know? And the, the, the other thing that's happening in, in December as well is that I believe, isn't there like a one or two week long holiday for in China for people where they... Um, no, 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 I, that, that, that's, that's, that's February, right? That's February. Yeah, I was going to say, was, the, the, Chinese, the Chinese New Year would be the advantageous time to do it. That, that, that'd be yes. why not December. That, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Leverage it wouldn't make sense. It I wouldn't see. make sense for them to do it in December when it's a, they're about to close off the year, especially when a massive factory in, in China. Um, they, would, they would, again, like what Nick said, I think during their time off and holiday, they can probably do an upgrade then because they have to be closed anyways. So why close it in December yeah. when, you know, Q4 is going to be big. So why close it? So what do you think production, what do you think the numbers are going to be? For Q4, uh, if you were to guess. Well, I mean, well, for when, when I, I, I didn't expect they're going to do 100,000 in, in, in November, to be honest. I thought it's going to be more close in, in the 80s. But um, based on this, um, I would say between 440 to 460. Okay. Um, I'm at 450. We're, are we in penalty kicks, by the way, for the Spain Morocco game? Uh, I have no idea. I don't know. If okay. I watch it, they'll lose, so I'm not gonna watch. <laughs> Smart. Let <laughs> us know in the comments. Uh will know. Yeah, someone says when, yes. In, in when Spain loses. <laughs> someone says yes. God, they're yeah, so by the way, metal, please. Dude, yeah. I Spain just saved. Yashu Good. and he doesn't know this, but Yashu and I got completely psyched out by someone on his channel the other day saying oh. Elon Musk just said that this is all false and he's whatever. Demand's yeah, gonna be higher than ever. I like I got over got. to Twitter. I was like, oh, I know on. I got got I got got big time. Yeah. It's OK. It happens. I make a fool. So don't believe anybody says anything about the game is all I'm saying. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Spain missed two. Morocco missed one. There we go. Spain Trust was no over now. Um, what's interesting going back in quarter four, uh, your, your, your question for Azad with production, I think 450 is kind of where my head is at as well, mm -hmm. um, is, well, 
that Reuters report that came out last month with the, oh, Tesla's going to do 495 in quarter four. I think we got to be careful as well. Like these kind of articles set continue to up the bar with expectations for people like Tesla, even doing <laughs> over 400,000 in a quarter is kind of insane considering like it's 20, phenomenal. the entire year of 2020 was like 500,000 or whatever. Right. So, it's so the, the exponential growth that we're seeing here is crazy already. I will say the report that we saw yesterday with production, if it has any legs to it, and I know Tesla China has already denied it, it would be worrisome to me if they're lowering production because uh, and I don't want to get into it too, too much because considering they've already denied it, but we know uh, why the market might believe it. But cutting production, I, I just don't find a real reason why that would ever be the the business move there. Someone on my stream yesterday came, uh, Blue came and he said, look, this could be just semantics because they're looking to upgrade one of the models next year. So they're clearing out. Uh, you know, production line of of this with this battery chemistry or this battery supplier, and they're going to switch it. So it just sounds like it's just you know cutting production, but really they're going to be replacing it, replacing the LFPs with uh, with the new cattle. So you know, it could be one of those. Uh, just someone says Morocco just won. So it, it's um, oh, oh, uh, no it's it's it. Well, maybe I just got got again. Uh, no, actually, no. A couple people are saying that now. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> back to my point. I'm not surprised. I think it's I. I think it would be worrisome. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. I, people accuse us of like only talking about bullish things. So I just want to put a pen in that and say, if that has any truth to it, and it's not just semantic, it would be worrisome because in my view, Tesla should just pedal to the metal with production and any factory and then take the consequences of shipping that car across the world, wherever they need, wherever demand is at that point. So just there. Yeah. yeah. And he, my logic to all of this was... This would be great if Tesla had ex had had a built up inventory. They keep talking about wanting to get rid of the wave. Well, how do you get rid of the wave? Really, is to have inventory, have plenty of vehicles in different places, so they can, at the point of sale, they have it. You know, it's I mean, happening now. Actually, that's, yeah, but but that's what helps get rid of the wave. You know, and so then we don't have to sit there and have this push at the end of every quarter. So to me, it would make very little sense to stop production. To like you, you want that inventory there. I, I want to have a build up in Australia so that people can just buy and go and not have to have you know it's it's a horrible customer experience. I have to wait three six yeah, months yeah, for yeah. your car. Six months. That's not. That's not. <laughs> that's not. Like we talk no. about Apple so much. That's not a good Apple experience. They tried to prevent that. Tesla's trying to do the same thing. Like if you want mm -hmm. it, I want you to have it now. I don't want you yes. to have to sit there and wait and do anything. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, Nick, what's your what's your um, Q4 delivery prediction numbers? Oh, delivery. I don't know about delivery. Delivery, I think, is the hard one with all of this. I think Tesla ruined every metric <laughs> of how can you possibly guess something last quarter. Mm, yeah. Um, I'll stick with production uh, first. Okay. I think. I think 460 is likely now. Um, and I think that's based off assuming December is only 80,000. And then uh, or, uh, Austin and Berlin are 30,000 each. I think that comes out to four, 460. Uh, double check my math if you want. But so that's where I'm at with that. And then I think if you just take 20,000 off of that, maybe that's what they deliver. So 44 or 440. And I say 20,000 because that's how much was in limbo last time. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm around 450 for my, for my Q4 sort of like 
estimation, but it could be lower. It could be lower. I think yeah. I think the point around uh, ensuring there's uh, cars in available for people to buy. That's ultimately the best. You're 100. You nailed it. It's the best customer experience, and this is the on ramp to make that happen. And so, what it, what that implies is that when when we are in quarters where there is su- sufficient inventory buildup, then those quarters are going to be crazy. <laughs> exactly. You know. So that's your Q2s and your Q3s and your Q4s. You know, and and yeah. we continue to grow into those into those phases. Um, and the, also the point around production being like production lowering at any point if if tesla does do that it's so reverse of what their mission is of advancing the world to a sustainable transport yeah. lower the price peggy kind of mentioned the whole like oh. you have a lot of pricing power lower the price sell more good i i had one other thing that was just like just be logical about this do you really think tesla would stop producing vehicles and prefer that route versus build up a supply in case we get another zero COVID issue shut down. Like, right. Like at this point, the biggest hedge to that is to have enough vehicle buildup. So if something does happen and they do shut down the factory again, or they have to go into closed loop and that takes time to get that in order, well, they've kind of hedged against that a little bit. So, I mean, again, just trying to like think logically about it. Yeah, I know people. I talk with people all the time about uh, transitioning to an EV. And the first conversation, uh, I almost have to say, like, yeah, probably doesn't make sense to get a Tesla or have in the past because the wait times have been so crazy. It's come down now, of course, but you know, in the past, like this, this entire year, almost it's like, Oh, can you wait six months for your next car? Can you <laughs> No. Yeah. Okay. Well maybe Tesla's not a good fit for you. Maybe you can check the, the kind of the, just a used inventory. So it's, I agree. Like, you know, when, when we ordered, it was ordered beginning of December, got by Christmas. So it, it was the perfect experience. You know, you, you don't need longer than that. People get buyer's remorse when they put down deposits on things and then they're like, yeah, you know what? I don't actually want to buy this thing. So, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and the only, I guess, excuse there was like, OK, well, maybe they're going to shift those batteries to Berlin and then increase deliveries there instead. But, you know, it just be a roundabout way of doing um, business, just like where you have the supplies, just continue to make the cars and then ship the cars once they're ready. So, yeah, but good to hear Tesla trying to deny it, at least for for what it's worth. Did, did yeah. you say your numbers? I did 450. I, I'm kind of in line with that. All right. Okay. I, I got a question for y'all. Do you all drive Teslas? I do. I do. I do not. Oh, nice. not anymore. Wait, what? Not anymore. <laughs> Hold on a second. So, Wait. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, no. So I've never had a Tesla. I have access to a Tesla mm, that I use gotcha. frequently to test FSD beta. Um, but no, I, I'm in a. A week. I'm like the cheapest person you ever meet. And I like that. We have I a, love that, dude. That, and that's fine. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be, we have a yeah. car that has been paid off for a couple of years now. And yes. it's just like, it's, it works just fine. Like it's, there's it's, nothing it's wrong with that, to, man at all. Like, yeah. I, I think that's the way, to, like <laughs> I, I drove a thousand, 2000 Toyota Corolla for for the longest time. Like, like, like that's my thing. Like just use cars is all, all you yeah. need is, is, is just a beater, right? Like, I mean, if you don't drive a lot, that is. So I yeah, love that. We drive, that. we drive about a mile and a half a day. That's to the gym and back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and exactly. that's pretty much it. We are a one car household. Um, 
we, we have talked about it, you know, the day that we decide that we want to have a child will be the day that it doesn't matter. I'll go buy a Tesla. Um, mm. but right now I'm still holding out for the cyber truck. We nice. we're, we're early reservation. So that that's, that's what I really want is, is that. So the cyber I, truck. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, if you go to like my, like my phone, probably the most frequented site I have is Tesla and the model Y and building it out and just almost buying it like <laughs> every other day. So, yeah, but so, so yeah, it's I don't a great car, a man. It's a great car. We love yeah. it. We love our model Y. We yeah. really do. For the first time ever in August, um, I, I rented it out um, and I took Farzad, Farzad's advice. He said, if you could get into a plat to rent out, because I never sat in a Tesla before, even though I'm going all into Tesla, but I've never sat in one before. So he advised me to get an S plat, to rent out an S plat. And I made a video about it to him and man, it was an unreal experience. There was things that this car was doing that I never thought that it would ever do. The way it drove, the way how the sensors were, and it was the, the, the S Plaid is huge and long, and I, I suck at driving long and huge cars. But because it has eight sensors and it has that screen, I feel like I was driving a Mini Cooper, man. It's so hard not to say. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you rode it really well. <laughs> yeah. And after you had a good crazy. handle on it. No. <laughs> I'm sure you got out of it what you want to get out of it. Michael Scott enters the chat. I was more. Does that he was, get I it? was like. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree, yeah. by the way. Like the butts and seats argument is so true because that's really what converted me. Uh, you know, I, I share my story all the time, but it, really sitting in a Tesla is what changed me with res mm. respect to everything. And it wanted me to dive more into the company. Had I not have, have sat in the Tesla, I don't think I would probably be here today um, for that test drive. So no, I completely agree. And I just want to say, I, I don't like the whole, sometimes I see it. I don't see anyone in the chat saying it, but I see it on Twitter. People say, Oh, if, if you, if, if you don't have a Tesla, you shouldn't have an opinion on the company. I hate that, you know, or if you, if, 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 you, if you haven't, if, if you haven't, uh, uh, drove a Tesla yet, like, who are you to say anything about, the, I, I completely disagree. I hate that argument. I hate, I, I also hate, it's on par with the argument of like, you don't have as much money as me. So I know more than you. Um, so I just want to put that out there. I don't see it in my, in, in our chats, but in case anyone was thinking it, don't. No, <laughs> yeah. it, thought. When you're, when you're trying to make a point for anything, an argument from authority is a poor argument. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, but, and, I'm I'm an authority figure over you, Nick. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, so to to capitalize on what you're just saying, butts and seats. The yeah. best way for that method to work, butts and seats, is to have the vehicle available. Great. Not have to wait for it because after that's six true. months, you forget yeah. about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's true. And the thing is, like after I I I took that for a test drive, where I sat back in my own car, I'm like, man, this is so unsafe. Like, look at all the blind spots. Like, how am I supposed to know how far mm -hmm. I am from, you know, like, there's just so many, like, after sitting in one and realizing how safe it is and how reliant and, and just, it's just a whole different breed of, and don't get me started with the speed, man, I, I clocked zero to like, like 200 kilometers. <laughs> it was at midnight, yeah. don't worry. So I think I caught, and man, the blood that rushes in your head makes you feel like it, it, it was an unreal experience. I had, like, I had, I had to pull over to sit down for a little bit. It, it was it was some next level experience, man. But yeah. um, as I mentioned to you guys before, I'm in Kuwait right now. I'm not in, in Toronto, and there's no Teslas here. And I'll be making a video. I'll be making a video about this soon. 
But just a couple of days ago, it's actually a cool story uh, that I want to share. A couple of days ago, I was just driving um, in, in, uh, in one of these residential streets and I saw a black model, a Tesla Model X. Huh. So I'm just like, I have to pull over and talk to this guy. So I pulled over. I went to his house. I well, I he knocked at his, his door, and then yeah, <laughs> you just run. Get in there and tell me about the Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have words no. with you. <laughs> no, but he he was a nice guy. He came out, um, and I'm just like, I don't see you know Teslas in Kuwait. What's going on? He's like, um, they're growing at a rapid pace in Kuwait. Um, they're making superchargers um, slowly but surely. And he told me a few superchargers in Kuwait as well that I never thought they were there before. He said, people who drive a Tesla here in Kuwait want one automatically. And, and that narrative is growing. And, and it's more of an, what he told me is that you'll see, instead of seeing it as a linear line, it's going to be more of an exponential growth. That's like how we see it everywhere else. Like in China, and now we're still, we saw it in Cali, um, in Toronto even. We're seeing it, when I was there in August, man, like almost every other car was a flipping Tesla. It was ridiculous. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, hmm. they're taking over. So um, same thing is going to happen in, in Kuwait, but the only thing is, is that if you want to order a Tesla in Kuwait, you would have to get it from Dubai because they have a showroom in Dubai, a couple of showrooms there. And I don't know if you guys have been in Dubai before or not, man. I'll be there um, for end year this year. So if you guys are reaching, man, let me know. <laughs> but man, there's so much Teslas there. There's so many Teslas there. There's ridiculous Last time I checked it out when I was there, there was a lot of Teslas. And recently, a buddy of mine that just came back from Dubai, he told me that, man, every other car is a Tesla now. Hmm. It's like more than Toyota now in, in Dubai. Hmm. Makes so, sense. So, yeah. So, Kuwait is, is a bit behind, but they don't have a dealer here either. So, if, if you want a Tesla, you got to wait, get your, make a reservation for Dubai and wait, and wait for that to be shipped from China. And then, you know... Um, not too sure if you take delivery in Dubai or it comes to you in Kuwait. I'm not too sure how that works. But that was how many people live in Kuwait? Um, right now, 4.3 million, but only a million million of them, or just a bit over a million of them, is uh, Kuwaitis. The rest of them is all expats. Okay, gotcha, mm. gotcha. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I see the same. F go ahead, Nico. No, you go, you go, you. I was gonna say I see the same the same thing in Austin. I mean, we moved here two years ago. And, you know, there were Teslas and now it's, it's like overrun. It's completely overrun with Teslas everywhere. What was interesting though, is like when we, when we took a, uh, our road trip from Austin to Pennsylvania this year. So we do it every year. We go visit my, our families in Pennsylvania every year. So we drive through Arkansas, we drive through Tennessee, uh, Virginia, you know, those, those States all the way up to Pennsylvania. So Austin and Texas is, seems overrun with Teslas. Then Arkansas Tennessee, Virginia, I barely saw any Teslas. And then when I got back into Pennsylvania, it was kind of like, oh, like not not a lot. So mm. like these these cities that appear to be that can afford Teslas, like th this is my takeaway. If if you live in a, a population where where the average price of that car in that region lines up with Tesla's current average price, Tesla seems to be freaking everywhere. Because I, I pulled up, I pulled up the average stats for each place that we went into. You know, it's like like Austin, pretty affluent. Uh, a lot of places in Arkansas, Tennessee, Virginia. No hate for those places, but not as affluent. So Pennsylvania, same thing, not as affluent. So it's like in places that are affluent, Tesla wins. So it's an equation of availability and then price. And so, like we're seeing this iPhone moment for for Teslas appearing all over our eyes. You know, like I, I remember back when nice. I was in college.
And uh, I was going to school and uh, like just one year I showed up to my classes. Everybody had a freaking iPhone. Like what the hmm. hell's going on? Hmm. Like how come I don't have an iPhone? I'm the moron here without an iPhone, you know? And I, it, it's, it's, it's happening. <laughs> it's very yeah. clearly happening. I think people that, that don't believe that story just need to step outside, uh, especially if they live in an area that is, um, that, that can afford Teslas. And that's, that's really the biggest argument here is that, well, people can't afford them. Okay, cool give it a couple of years and and yeah. that equation is going to be very 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 um evident that it's going to work in their favor and i think i think man i keep coming back to like what is the undeniable point and this is such a stupid thing that i put myself into it's like when will everybody realize what we realize and that is such a stupid way of approaching it you know it's like why do i care why should i care when everybody else will realize just let the story mm-hmm. play out and see where it goes and all signs point towards this outcome. So, at least for me. I don't know if you guys agree, but I have a feeling you do. So, um, sorry to be the king of tangents here, but uh, can we talk about semi-day real quick? Um, I think we, whenever we had the live stream fires out, I feel like we we missed something to talk about. And it was the info or the, the graphic on the PowerPoint that they showed where they had all the vehicles and then they had the robo-taxi with the cover oh, yeah. on it. But I, I found it very interesting that there is nothing about a, a lower model vehicle or anything. It was just a robo-taxi. That's it. A- any thoughts on that? Because Farzad had convinced me for a while that I was wrong, that there will be another... Why are you listening vehicle. to me, bro? Because <laughs> you nice get financial voice. advice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, you can grow a beard. Like, uh, you know, I look up to my elders. Um, uh, but... Now I'm starting to get convinced again that it's only going to be a robo tax. Like, do you did you guys have any weird thoughts about that? I see. I'm having uh, linked it here. Producer wife, yeah, I'm going to have producer wife pull up this uh, slide so that everybody can be on. So wait, what's the argument? The argument is that you don't think that's coming soon, and Farzad does. No, that I so Farzad can. I, I for a while I thought there would be there would be no lower model vehicle that it was just going to be the robo taxi. That that is the lower, and then Farzad made a good point talking about a lot of countries that are more third world or just you know rougher streets and more chaotic drivers. You know, like a like a India, like a Costa Rica, a a Brazil or Argentina, right? Like it's the roads aren't great. People drive like they're like the rules are optional. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just yeah. really chaotic. It's not like in the states. It's not like in Canada. It's not like in Europe. And so when he said that, I was like, okay, you know what? You're probably right because that's a huge segment you do want to cover. But now when I see this, I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, no, maybe it's just the robo taxi and that's it. Maybe that's, that's what they're going for. Could they not be the same? And then you just remove the steering wheel for the robo taxi versions. See, I thought that too, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when um, the whole platform terminology came out from. Uh, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> glad you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but again, just seeing this, I just see Robo Taxi. Just I don't know. I, I'm now I'm back to seeing just Robo Taxi. So I, I don't know. So I'm just curious. I, it's worth talking about. I think. Can you zoom in on that Robo Taxi picture, um, babe? Just I get. It's gonna be hard to. What, what if there's yeah, something like? What if there's an Easter egg there and we've never known? So there's signals in that in that image though that i want us to sort of talk through because i think this image actually gives us a lot of clues like a lot of clues so the first thing that stands out to me is that there's a hood right 
it's not a form factor that's maximizing the internal space of the vehicle. It's much more car-like. So that's number one. So what that tells me is that the shape and form factor of the vehicle is probably going to be geared towards a use case of a car today and not something akin to what like Sandy and Corey talk about in respects to a robo-taxi that is like a square box. You don't have to worry too much about safety because you're capped at a certain speed. That that frontal space is going to give you the... Um, the the compression you know like like the like the compression thing when you get into an accident at at a high speed uh, at a high speed to ensure you don't die right so that's the first thing that stands out to me because you can't fit a human in that front right there there's very obviously a hood so that's number one and so what what that implies to me is that robotaxi appears it it's, it just blows my mind that they're calling a robotaxi though. So what they're saying is like, it's yeah. going to be like a, mo- a cheaper model three that can drive itself. Like, okay, what else are you going to do with that? Like, I'm confused by that. Right. So, so my thought on the shape was that it would be like you, I, I push back on the whole box thing because if you're operating a robo taxi business, you still want it to be as cost efficient as possible. And this lends itself to be more aerodynamics. You get longer lasting for the battery. So you can use less electricity. I mean, I think all those principles still, still remain. I, I don't know mm. if we're reading too much into it. I think that's a stock photo that I just pulled up. Ba- How dare uh, you? I just pulled up a uh, battery days presentation slides and it's literally the stock thing of the, the, the exact same unveiling of the car. So I don't know. I think we're reading too much into it, to be honest. That's just, yeah, I think opinion. so too. Uh, I agree with the Ashu here. I'll link on, it here for Cindy. Yeah. I know it's, it's, it's not very on. juicy, right? Like I you know. want me to, 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 to run with this yeah, idea. Yeah, shoot, just make some know. shit up or something, dude. But but, <laughs> <laughs> but um seeing that they are calling it robo taxi, it's a little bit I got I mean, I got Farza has a point there. Calling it a robo taxi is a little um I don't know. I'm not too fa- I'm not too fond of that, calling the next thing robo taxi. Why not? You know? It would mean that it would just mean that, you know. You just get the car and it'll just drive itself. You won't have like, like it's not another model that you would you know buy for the sec- the like sec- the model three Y or X or um, X. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So this is what I linked uh, to Cindy. I, it I, turned I, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the so it's the exact same photo from Battery Day. Uh, this is the twenty five thousand dollar comp, it's not compact. But, right, right, reversed, whatever you want to call it. Someone says, "How do we know it's not a pillow?" That's a good point. <laughs> that's a great point you can see it's just it's, a very high quality pillow for twenty five thousand dollars it's yeah. like joey from friends it's just like a whole bunch of cardboard boxes underneath it i don't know if you remember <laughs> that episode the porsche i, I was actually <laughs> thinking about this today i said you know i was thinking about robo taxis and i was like look the first signal that we know robo taxis are close is probably the las vegas in, in las vegas they start doing driverless test drives in the tunnels i think that's the first like like how weird would it be tesla runs robo taxis uh, a robo taxi network but it hasn't done driverless yet in las vegas in the tunnels like i think that's the first signal and then the second signal i talk about a lot is partnering up with some sort of municipality city state whatever to do a network there but i think by the end of the year it, it still might be on the table i'd know they applied for driverless in the tunnels but i'm not sure we've heard any updates on that not that i've been following it too too much but if anyone knows Feel free to no, let us know. I was just going to say, I mean, they don't even let them use autopilot or anything in there already. Yet. Yeah. We can use it out in the world. So, I mean, I don't know. Do, do you guys think they'll unveil RoboTaxi this year? 
2023? 2023, uh, yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. Farzad's m- so. more bullish on timeline on this. Yeah. Really, huh? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's yeah. so wild. I'm thinking, I'm thinking sometime that. 2024, 25. Why? <laughs> because, again, like I heard Yashu say something like, ah, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And now he's saying this. So Yashu a long time ago said, <laughs> well, Elon said he <laughs> wants to be in volume production. I know. I, I'm like, I have a good memory. <laughs> but he said a long time ago that uh, on an earnings call, Elon said, he said that they want to be in volume production for RoboTaxi in 2024. And Yasha brought a good point. If they're going to be in volume production in that means they got to unveil and start in 2023. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So, yeah. You know what, though? The, the, I, you know, the whole, the whole, the, I mean, the craziest part is like Tesla could do a software update tomorrow. And then all of a sudden it's like, it, it, it nothing matters. And now the software update is like 10 times better and, and it works. But then also, like, I wonder about, like you said, um, we were talking about, I was actually Emmett was mentioning this yesterday. He was saying, uh, you know, if there's a Republican president and they appoint a new NHTSA, mem- uh, a new NHTSA head that's more favorable to Elon, does that help accelerate taxis across the nation? So there's so many pl- there's so many parts to this. I don't think they. Need- By the way, I don't think they need to release the robot taxi. Uh, car for them to have a robo taxi network because you could just Mm. run model threes for now or model s you know whatever you wanted to to do and it almost makes sense to do that first right is like just to run it with the cars that are existing and then feed the network and maybe you maybe you only sell robo taxis to fleet operators maybe you have to be a commercial company owner um with a business plan that you apply for and then you get access to buy these cars and Mm. if you show a business plan together and you're you're willing to make sure that you hold up to the tesla standard and you're cleaning these cars and maybe there's some sort of you know business um uh application that you have to go through before you can even get access to buy these fleets and you have to buy 10 at the minimum or something like who knows but but then are, are you implying that the robot taxi will not have a wheel then that it will be specific yes. well that's wow. what elon has said i mean elon has been pretty firm on the robot taxi car that comes out is not going to have a wheel i yeah it would be very disappointing to see a robot taxi with a wheel and pedals which be. is crazy. Like, I, I don't think like, it's just crazy that we're even saying that because it's like, we don't really have a lot of evidence to say that that's going to even, even be remotely safe as of right now um, to fix this thing. Like, how are you going to move it out of sticky situations manually? Um, but yeah, I mean, Elon's been really firm on that. But man, but I'm still like where I'm like stuck again is there is such a significant portion of the world that I think would benefit from having a cheaper car that they can drive and it, and it, and it directly um, talk about accelerating the advent of sustainable transport, right? Mm-hmm. Releasing a robo taxi that you're going to be able to crank out millions of units per year. Yet you're still not sure what the regulatory landscape looks like in 2024. Seems like a giant waste of production capacity to me. You know what I'm saying? So like, why, why wouldn't you create something that sells into the markets? Because here's, there's 8 billion people on the world. Let's say half of those will have access to this car in some way, shape, or form. I think that's a, would you guys agree that's a fair statement to make? That half the world will, will have access, not necessarily afford the car, but will have access to this vehicle. Is that a fair statement? Let's start there. Like RoboTaxi? Yeah, like this cheaper, this cheaper Tesla car. By when? Half? 25, 30,000. Half? 
if I'll buy one. A fourth. Yeah. Buy, yeah, buy sure. 2024, fourth. 2025. No, two I, billion I people. No. What about Apple, two billion? No. I, I think just people in North America, Canada, and US. Okay. Minus okay. Mexico. Yeah, I guess I, I guess that's that's sort of what I'm again what I'm stuck on is if if most of the world the only place right now that it seems obvious that full self driving will be allowed en masse, it appears to be China to me. Like like I, at this moment in time. Looks like China has the most lax regulations or or they're really pushing forward towards ensuring that the self driving technology can is approved in say their major cities, right? The second's probably the US. Um, and you can even put them at the same level playing field, but the US is going to be jurisdiction by jurisdiction. And it will take probably say three to five years for the entirety at in the in the best case scenario, probably for the entirety of the United States to be able to operate, call it self-driving cars. Because it's probably going to start at the local level, then it's going to go to state, then it's going to go federal. And then you know they'll have to make rule sets around that. But places like Europe, no way. It, it doesn't see like it's going to take at least five to you know five to ten years. Uh, then you're talking about places like Africa, uh, other countries in Asia, countries in South America. These are all people <laughs> that would very much benefit from having a low cost vehicle or a transportation solution that's the cheapest cost per mile. But if this thing is really going to be it's going to cost less than $20,000 to produce, or let's say much less than $20,000 to produce. And, but you're making this thing and not a lot of people can buy it. Then what that implies is that the, the countries that can take this on, like say the United States and China in the next three to five years are going to get flooded <laughs> with millions of self-driving cars, theoretically, if the demand exists. Right. So like th those are the two, those are the two things that I'm painting in my head. So, there's no doubt that this vehicle is going to be able to be produced at millions per units per year. Cause that's, that's the only way you get to 20 million by 2030. All right. So yeah. That, and, and so that's, that's kind of where I'm stuck <laughs> because, because then the assumption is, is that you're going to be able to sell millions of cars, uh, millions of these units just in the U S and China. And then the rest of the world is not going to be able to use this car for, for a really long time because it's going to have pedals and, and a wheel. Um, I just kind of rambled there a little bit, but that just, that's that's how my my head thinks about this. And that's why I feel like there's going to be a car that has a steering wheel on the pedal because I'm just not super convinced that in the next three to five years, the the there's going to be enough, um, there's going to be demand for that many self-driving cars in the near term. In the long term, absolutely. But in the next, like say two to three, three to five years, I still feel like the cheaper car with a steering wheel and pedal makes sense. I agree with you. I'm just saying Elon has been really firm on like this car is going to have no steering wheel or pedals. I mean, it could be a plug and play system. I don't know how that would work, but you know, it could be like a, you know, you can retrofit these things. I don't know. I, we're just making that up at this point, but uh, I mean, I agree. I, I think it's a good backup plan to have, right? Like if you have to take it out of a sticky situation, I guess you could remote drive it. Maybe, maybe these remote drive with 5g. I don't know, but um, you know, those are options. How, how many cars are sold? I, mean, I, don't, I don't expect you guys to know, but do you guys know how many cars are sold in China and the U.S. every year? 20 in China, about 15 in the U.S. 15? So 35 yep, million? Something All like right, that so per year. The way I think about it is if you're trying to, to really make a dent 
as far as going electric and getting rid of, of ice, I think there's a good chance that the most effective way to do that would to be to start in the U.S. and China and make it so that with robo taxis, it's so stupid to own an ICE car. It's so stupid to drive an ICE car that you would just go and get a robo taxi, right? And so by doing that, you displace more ICE vehicles than having to produce all of these volumes of vehicles where people use only 4% of the time. And instead, you have so many robo taxis out there that get used up more, more frequently. And they're just so convenient that's idiotic not to use that instead. And so I think that could be kind of the play and the idea behind it. Okay. And then eventually, hopefully, these other countries that are less wealthy, that's your time to build out the supercharging network. That's your time to, you know, to, to go out to that. And maybe at that point, you can make an even more affordable vehicle or start working on FSD beta out there. Or FSD beta at that point between China and here has gotten so good that, yeah, let's throw it in Mumbai. No problem. Mm -hmm. Yo, good luck with that, man. Jeez. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. I've been to India um, tw twice, but the last time I went, I swear to God, I got in a car accident in India, crazy enough. The only car accident I've been in. I, I, it was everyone's fault because damn, I was scared, man. I was in the middle of the highway. I was pulled over the side. There was cars, there's motorcycles around. Like no one, no one cares. No one stops for you, right? Yeah, I, it's the same thing. Same thing here in Kuwait. The driving is, is reckless. Yeah, I got Iran's I, the I same way too. Oh man, Iran is, is is next levels, dude. They they, they stop at green lights but go at red lights. It's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I I got a car last year, um, and brand new, first month without. You know, nothing. Someone rear ends me within two weeks. Oh, yeah. Dang. And yeah, so I mean, there's many of these. And like, yes, but FSD, um, again, uh, uh, going back to your point, Yashu. Um, yeah, Elon, Elon does mention, and he is, he is um, uh, looking forward to having a car that doesn't have a pedal and a steering wheel. But I, I don't think that's going to happen until late this decade, man. That's going to take a long time. That's um, why I do, I do. Well, I mean, look at the FSD. I mean, it still needs to, you know, you know, there's still a lot of work that needs to do it. It's, it's. I mean, the FSD. Well, I, I've seen videos when that I, it's doing really well. When when I drove it in January, compared okay. to this latest release, okay, there is less room to go between this and fully solve, in my uneducated really? opinion. Yes, okay, it's much closer Perhaps than it seems. Yeah. Okay, but I'm also thinking about like you know getting the, the approvals that it needs, and you know, like Farzad said, going to jurisdiction think, and putting it all. I don't that. think that's a big deal either. States like Florida will say, "Bring it on in," and you have Waymo and Cruise out there already, kind of paving the ways for some of these other more, probably more restrictive cities. You, you see, Cruise, I think they're trying to go into Austin. Waymo's in California and Arizona. I mean, they're already kind of making ways for this to happen. And it's all going to come down mm. to data and Tesla's going to have the data. And if, if so, Florida has it and Florida has robo taxis everywhere, you better believe other states are going to be saying, we want this business here, right? It's the same thing happened with Uber, same thing happened with Lyft. You know, like New York fought against it for the longest time. They have huge, huge business with the medallions, with all their yellow taxi cabs. Guess what? Not only is there a Uber Lyft program there, but there's also a, 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 ride hailing service that's all teslas <laughs> like it, I, I think once the Something tech is there it expands yeah 
Yeah. So, so you guys are saying that you could by mid decade this year we can probably see a full self driving like good to go like by twenty twenty five next year. I, I'm next year. Yeah. yeah, next year. We, we in Barzal's some got places. Chick Fil A on this. He's got Chick Fil A. Hell on yeah, this. dude! I literally, my Oof. wife and I bet Chick Fil A on this, and and <laughs> on camera she tried to tell me that my bet was wrong, bro. And I and I had to correct her. I was like, "Don't you dare!" She's right. I have I have receipts. <laughs> She's right. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> Relationship I, advice from Yashu. She's yeah. Right. <laughs> it's 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 very it's very dependent. On, it's very dependent on where you live, right? Because in in other like you got you're in Austin, you're in Florida, you have a lot of data in those areas. You have a lot of Teslas that drive around. You're going to be a little, of course, more bullish on it depending on and you know if you talk to someone from alberta for example and they're trying fsd beta it's going to be very different so um but i think the bet is it works somewhere next year and it's operating as a business which i i guess it's more easier to believe than just it works everywhere and everyone's doing it in any city so yeah right. no i that i don't think I, I i think it'll be in canada or the u.s we, we haven't even seen FST beta go anywhere else. So that's all I would say. And, and yeah, everybody's experience is a little different. I'm not saying it's perfect today. What I'm saying is where you would have thought that the closer that we get to say solved, the closer we get to it, like the smaller the improvements would be, right? It'd be like you're inching there, you're getting close. It's almost like watching a football game. You know, the closer you get to that end zone, it's like each play is like, all right, I got a yard. And, and you're mm -hmm. living and dying by those yards. That's not what's happening. Each release, it's like it's a bigger jump than the last release, yeah. which is mind-blowing. So it's not like they're getting caught in that local maximum that oh, Elon always talks about. Each iteration just seems like it's better and more improved than the last. At, at least that's my experience. What, or, do you agree with that sentiment, Farzad? I do. I mean, I do. So th there, there are... There are very specific use cases that jump out to me that need to be that need to be solved that I have high confidence they'll solve. So one is parking lots. Agreed. It sucks in parking lots. Oh, really bad. Don't get, don't it's it's a, it's a joke. But we know that V V eleven is going to supposedly make huge improvements to that, and I'm very curious to see how that goes. So that's that's number one. Second is exiting out of parking lots. At least in Texas, they have these double and triple wide lanes with a median in the middle another double triple wide lane in the in the other side it's like it's a it's it's a super unprotected left coming out of parking lots and they're everywhere and visibility sucks so even for a human it sucks right so it it does them but it is a very strange experience so honing that in i think is going to be extremely important and then um work zones where the People setting up the work zones don't know what they're doing, and that's freaking everywhere in Austin. Which, like, it, mm -hmm. I can't believe, I can't believe how little regulation it seems like there is around ensuring these folks do a good job. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I go to like a, there's just cones. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? And there's just cones, and there's yeah. people working somewhere. I'm like, okay, what the hell's going on? In those situations, the car is putting trust in the in the infrastructure being done correctly, you know, and but it it's not. It, they, they just don't do it the, the right way. Compare that to like a place like Ireland. I was in Ireland this year and they're, you know, very tight roads, but boy, is everything marked. Mwah. You just know exactly what's going on at all times. Everybody knows how to drive there, you know, keep right except or keep left except to pass because on the other side of the road. It's like perfect. It was the best yeah. driving experience of my life. Hmm. I was like, my God, 
this is what it feels like to be around people who know what they're doing and everything's <laughs> marked well. Right. So, and that's why like part of me says, I think adoption and in Europe specifically, I think it's going to be much faster than people think because their infrastructure is very well, like it, the, the way they've marked the roads is very, very easy to navigate. And I think, uh, full structure is going to have a very easy time navigating those roads, uh, versus the United States, in my opinion. Um, but we're not that. F I really don't think we're that far. We're not that far. Uh, yeah. That that. Uh, I feel like I know what you're talking about as far as the cone. I, like you and Cindy experienced that, where it's like, well, it looked like it was open because the cone wasn't there, yeah. and there's just a wall. Yeah. 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 I, I almost I almost did a, a review of that drive because, like, as the viewer, I saw so many other things. I I recommend you watch it again if, if you haven't. But one of the things that was funny to see is I think before that there's like this. Uh, this construction lane or something, but it had those like white plastic poles that, you know, kind of go down mm -hmm. the street that keep you in it. The bollards. It was yeah. so funny. Yeah. It was so funny because you're sitting there like, look at this. It's doing great. And I'm just sitting there watching like all of those are like knocked down. I'm like, and we're sitting here, this, this vehicle is doing this. All these are like knocked down, like bent over. Cause some car ran into it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like look at this juxtaposition. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. But, but, but I agree with you to me. It's, parking lots which they say doesn't work yet just it's not like it's they're not claiming it works highways which is coming um parking lots not just parking lots but like from a gps perspective you know like if i say take me to chipotle don't park me out on the highway take me into the parking yeah. lot you know so <laughs> yeah. that that i think is gonna be a hard one to solve uh but they'll, they'll figure it out it's probably not even as hard as i think it is um u-turns some street signs and then construction I think you solve all those things and it's, it's like, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but I think it's robo taxi ready. My car did a U-turn on my last drive. It, oh, it U-turned. Hmm, yeah. yeah. I, the, I've tried. Again, I can't get it to do it. <laughs> the problem is, and I continue to say it is the red tape, right? Like that is the problem. I, I, I let's say I buy the argument that it's ready tomorrow. Software updates. Great. W like, I just worry that, you know, what happened with the EV1 in, um, is going to happen with robo-taxis the first time around. And I feel like the first time around with new technology, it's easy to shut it down, just put some red tape on it and just be like, nope, not going to happen right now. And I just worry I just worry about that with the robo-taxi and just government influence until banning it. We already know how staunchly against a lot of government officials are towards Tesla and robo taxis. And I just wonder with, you know, of course, Tesla can show the data, like, look, this is the data of how many lives are saved. But the sad part is I don't even think politicians care about that. They just care about their special interests. So I do worry about the bureaucracy of it more, really. And getting Twitter puts, puts more pressure on that. Uh, I, Apparently. I, I think, look, the, the mob controls at the end of the day even if we don't think we do we, we control and so i think like florida if people come to florida and they don't need an uber or lyft and they're just taking tesla robo taxis when they go back to where they are like they're gonna be asking this from from their congressman right like from their governor like like people will start to make noise about it and if you can go to florida and get this experience and i come back to california in silicon valley and it's like what the hell like i thought we were the technology hub of the world what's going on here and and that's the nice thing about the united states i mean sometimes good sometimes bad but is that each state can 
can decide to make their own decisions when it comes to this, which will be a headache in many ways, but at the same time could be a benefit. That's not one person says, no, you can't do this from, from top down. But I think Yashu's talking more globally, right? You're talking about like the, the oh, rest of globally? the world versus well, everywhere. I mean, States. even, yeah. even within the, within the United States, I think, you know, like who's to say there isn't like a smear campaign, and then all of a sudden there's some legislation that gets passed. Dan O'Dowd, baby. Right. <laughs> but I'm talking like, let's say legit smear campaign that actually starts to get traction with politicians and then starts to, you know, because like, I forget who said this, but, you know, they're like, all you need is one, one, like it, you could have a million safe drives and then you have one viral incident and it could ban the entire thing. Right. That's what I worry about. I'm not saying it's it's probable. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's 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 the only thing that I look at with robo taxis and I go, okay, well this is this is a risk to it. You know, yeah. you know why I think that's not a risk anymore. Mm -hmm. It's because the the political landscape in the United States, I think, is shifting towards Elon more than not. And the, the, like the way the way the the House and the Senate are set up right now, and and the fact that you have, I don't know, man. I I feel like that's I see the point. But if if the EV car fires didn't take down Tesla when it was at its absolute most like most uh, fragile state, if the insane sh short crazy pressure that was on the company between 2016 and 2019, while they nearly went bankrupt, while they were ramping the Model Three, if that didn't take it down, I don't see how anything takes down a technology that is going to make transportation so damn cheap and make that local economy so damn strong because of it and increasing disposable income for everybody else and the company that's putting that into the marketplace is going to be flush with cash that if they do see an obstacle that money can fix they'll deploy that cash i they'll, think they'll deploy it i i think you're overlooking i mean the reason why robot taxis is so awesome is because it disrupts so many industries and by disrupt you mean literally puts people out of jobs if you think about it how many how many special interest groups are really going to like robot taxis are 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 the truckers going to like it no they're i mean they're, they're, they're going to hate it are are, are the taxi cab unions going to like it they're going to nope. hate it you so you can go down the laundry list of items of like are the uber drivers going to like it no is uber going to like it no are ride sharing companies going to like it no are delivery companies going to like it no it that's the reason why what makes it so disruptive but that's the reason why there's there's so many enemies to 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 any new tech not just robo taxis so i agree it's like it's like two sides of the coin right it's like it's awesome for all these reasons but it also is going to have a lot of hate because of the same reasons as well so uh, again, I'm not trying to paint this into into being like a, a pessimist into technology. No, I got you. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's something that that I do think. Of. And I guess your point is like all you need, Yash, is like one legis one area where this is working really well and it can work as a case study. And then from there, it can it can gain traction. Yeah, maybe uh, I guess to be determined. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of those arguments, I mean, you can there's always, always another side, you know, like uber and left had the same kind of uphill battle you know they're a union special interest that don't want this um you know for every company that gets hurt from it there's a company that benefits you know imagine like walmart that last delivery not having to pay someone to do it right they're probably gonna lobby for it because they can save so much money on it right all the people who the all the local businesses that food delivery i, I just well. put it in in the trunk and there goes you know so i, I think there's always the other side and i think technology i think history has proven itself technology creates more jobs than what it gets rid of historically and that has been 
has been the truth since we got computers away from typewriters, from cars away from horses, uh, our iPhone. I mean, just everything. I mean, look at the internet. How many more people are living off of the internet now? Whether it's from YouTube to OnlyFans. I mean, like it's it's crazy. Like my OnlyFans is doing great. Jobs. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me follow. Yeah, don't wax those feet too much now. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go to Q&A with that? <laughs> yeah. All right. If you have a question, drop it in the comment section below. Um, Yash and Peggy, I don't have access to y'all's comments. So maybe, um, you know, as, as folks, maybe if you want to pull up comments from there and as well, feel free to. I have producer wife pull up a, a few from our chat here. And then if y'all want to throw one in, um, maybe if you want to send the text in, in the private chat or you just kind of, you know, just say it out loud, that's fine too. But uh, please drop question before your question and uh, the panel will discuss it and uh, we'll take it from there. So if producer wife hit us with the first one, if you have one, see what we got. By the way, didn't I call Spain was going to lose, bro? I told you. Like, I can't believe like, they lost. No way. They lost yeah. You said it. They lost. You said it. Yeah. Oh well, they God. lose because this is what happens every time. Like they, they, <sighs> they, I don't know, man. Anyway. I'm just going to go on a whole rant. Bring back Twitter. George Orwell. <laughs> Questioned. Do you think Elon being on, in a Twitter space with convicted criminal Kim.com is good for Tesla stock? What can we do to make Elon less clumsy? So um, this is in reference to the Twitter space that was hosted by Kim.com and a bunch of other people uh, that were on there. And Elon showed up to talk about the Twitter files that release and what's going on. Um, I didn't even know he was a convicted criminal. And I, it's like, is he a convicted criminal? What did he do? Who is Kim.com? I thought, <laughs> I thought Kim.com was a, a woman. <laughs> Honestly, I have, no I, I have no idea who, and I don't follow this Twitter thing remotely as close as you guys. So I, I, I'm not in, in, in tune with answering this question. I just can't. I'd be making stuff up. Yeah, I, I, I think but, if, if, but, oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead, Farzad. No, please, please, please. But, but the general sentiment, if you want to say, like, is Elon paired with bad actors? Let's say let's replace this person because I don't really know who this person is. Paired with bad actors or you know controversial actors, let's say at, at the very least, is that bad for Tesla or Elon? How do we make him look look less clumsy? Is how the question is phrased. Go ahead. No, that's that's literally that, that's where I ended my thought. I don't think okay. there's anything else from me. Uh, so, yeah. Look, Elon's gonna Elon. Um, I think I think we have to just accept it. I, you know, uh, we can disagree, but I don't think we can do much about it. And I don't think he cares about what other people think who he associates himself with, to be honest. So um, I just think it's 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 trivial to to for us to have a strategy around this because it's just Elon's going to Elon. Uh, it's just is what it is. But I have no idea who this person is. Maybe people in the comments can. Uh, Oh, Kim founded Mega Upload. Someone says, "Okay, got it." So some sort of piracy thing, then it sounds like. But okay, yeah. In, in general, I just to touch on that real quick. I, I don't think it's good to like avoid talking to people, even if they're bad people. You disagree with them because I think dialogue helps. You know, you, you never know what open communication can do. You know, like open dialogue between us, North Korea, Iran, China is better than not. Right. It, at least there's that open communication. So. I think having a ability to talk and express ideas, even if you don't agree with those ideas, I think that's, that's better. And then you can rebut these bad ideas rather than just letting them out, be out there and nobody else is 
putting any light, right? Light's the best disinfectant. So put light onto it. Okay. All right. I've Sorry, Josh, question go ahead. here. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Here, let, let's do this one and then I'll, I'll go over to Peggy for his question. Tesla bite size question. Why exactly do you think Elon hasn't launched a PR team yet considering all the problems it could solve? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this for the first, uh, I want to say like 30 minutes to 45. So um, I would recommend anybody who wants to really deep dive into that, uh, rewatch this or just scroll back to the first, really the first 30 to 45 minutes and, and you get your answer. So I, I don't want to spend time rehashing. So uh, appreciate the question, Tesla bite size, but yeah, go ahead, Peggy. Um, I got a, let me see, let me just copy and paste the question here from this guy. Okay. Um, so while you do that, let's uh, pull up another one here. Pull up another yeah. one. Dun, 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 dun. And Rick Hay. Thank you very much. $5 super chat. FSC will be for vehicle self-delivery, automatic surface returns, service returns, and delivery truck routing makes logistics faster if you can, if you call the car to load it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the great use cases from a commercial perspective. You can uh, utilize a car that doesn't need a driver to just be your delivery thing. Your, your warehouse on wheels is what I like to call them. And uh, they, yeah, it brings a ton of value. Any thoughts from the panel? On this, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Rick K just nailed it. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Go ahead, Pedro. FSD is going to be crazy. I mean, by twenty thirty, it's going to be like a whole different world. But um, I got. Um, he's actually a very well-known guy in, in the Tesla Tesla community. Um, Kairav Patel. Do you guys know Kairav Patel? Not familiar. Haven't heard of him. No, he comments on like everyone's everyone's YouTube. But anyways, um, he's a shout out for him right now. <laughs> He's asking, what are you got what are your guys' EPS estimates for 2023? I have a nine point four nine dollars and forty cents and two point three seven five million deliveries. Uh if I pull up my model, let's I, see. I think I'm yeah, I'm about around 10-ish bucks, and I think two point two or two point three, I forget what it is. I just I just go with Tesla's guidance of fifty percent. Um delivery growth so nothing special there but i think ten dollars ish sounds about right for 2023 do you do, do you do 50 on on the 50 on the <laughs> you know what i'm saying trying to say so 2022 we have a 50 percent number we're supposed to hit so do you do 50 percent yes that yes or 50 yes off of what you think off of 1. 1. I think 1. 1.4 1.4 okay gotcha. yeah off of 1.4 so 50 percent on 1.4 is not even two is it yeah, it's 2.2 uh, two yeah, or 3. 2.1. Yeah. 50% yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, on 1.4 is 2.1? Hold on. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Seven you're right. Plus yeah, 14, okay, yeah, there we go. I'm Don't listen man. to the guy with the math <laughs> no major. Math. Yeah, I have a literal degree in math, and I can't do arithmetic. <laughs> nice. That's how bad I am at this. Um, I have it at like, well, I haven't done my full-year EPS, but for Q4 of next year, I do this thing where I, where I okay. EPS the Q4s, which is... I think stupid. I have to go back and redo this. <laughs> but um, I have a $2.47 in Q4 of next year. So if you times that by four, it's like a 9.86 and then say take 10% off the top or you know 15% off the top. I'm somewhere between 8.50 and $9 per share. Uh, on deliveries of, let's see, what my delivery number at? Um, 2.25. That's where I'm at. Okay. 
yeah. 2.25. I'm at um, 2.24 as vehicle deliveries. I'm getting an EPS of 7.22. Okay. So Same you guys can call me a bear, but uh, I'm trying to keep it like conservative. Is that gap, non-gap? <laughs> what, what are you asking? Uh, no, this one is always always non-gap. Okay. Okay. Always Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Mine's adjusted EPS. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yasha, you got a question on your end? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, and I think we'll answer uh, Richard's here. I see in your list. So uh, I'll go on to the next one. Will FSD ever have a learn mode? Uh, Steven says to accommodate little custom maneuvers, like backing up into a weirdly angled parking spot in my driveway for charging. So like a learn mode that you can have. What do you think? I like that idea. I just, Immediately, I think like this probably like everything Tesla is doing right now is learn mode technically, right? So it's just trying yeah. to collect data. But I, I kind of like the idea of the custom thing. Like how is Tesla supposed to get data on your backyard and the way that it's parked and the special kink that it has there in the data set? So yeah, I, I yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the, that actually like, you, you know, maybe in your garage, you like it parked on the left side, right beside here and you don't want it in the middle. Like you can train it to or set it I to do something. That. Yeah. I like yeah. that idea. I think I think that that makes a lot of sense actually. Awesome. Uh, let's do let's do a couple more. Throw them up. Let's do it. Throw them up. Throw them up. Kathy K, fifty dollars super chat. Thank Ooh. you, Kathy. She she uh, donated a hundred bucks last time for Gary uh, for, for Gary to get a new oh. mic, and we bought him a, a blue Yeti. And that's why he sounds nice. better. So that was thanks to Kathy. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Money for Cindy, producer wife. Oh, I didn't even read it. Uh, Okay. <laughs> Portrayal Model 3Y as midsize and not luxury is important to non-luxury customers. That's a great point. Uh, that's that's a great point. I think what what's interesting about that... Oh, by the way, I'm taking 50% of that because we're married. FYI. So I'm getting 25 bucks. <laughs> just FYI. Babe. I mean, um, that means 40. <laughs> get out of here. No. <laughs> um, I, what, what's interesting about this, though, is the... Like, you think about the 3N Y. They are... Um, like they were initially viewed as luxury and then they weren't, but now they're the, this kind of, it's their own thing because you have Toyota Camry buyers buying it. You got Lexus buyers buying it. You got BMW people buying it. You know, you got, you got people that never buy cars buying it. So it's like, it's this weird uh, conglomeration of people that at least in my head, I don't know if they fit in a specific segment, like it's disrupted the segmentation of what it means to own a vehicle and the kind of similar way, not a great analogy, but maybe back, back in the day with a cell phone, you know, like you had very expensive, awesome cell phones. And then you had these like crappy flip phones. And then now everybody has a, has even the richest person in the world has the same phone you or I have. So I wonder if like cars are going down the same path, you know, where it's just um, like, Let's call it the, the the status portion of the luxury thing because I think that's that's what it is. It's like you want to convey and you want to experience a certain type of experience as a human being. I don't know if that's going to apply to cars anymore. Uh, yeah. When when like the the entry of that segment is democratized. Go ahead. Yeah, I, got, I, got I don't see questions. it. Oh, oh, go ahead. You go first, ahead. Nick. No, you I was going to say I I don't see it as like I don't I don't know why, but well, I do know why. When I think of Tesla, I don't think of like luxury, not luxury. I see it kind of like technology. Like that, that's all I think about it is it's, it's technology. It's like my laptop, you know, if I get like a MacBook, all right, do I have the one that has 250 gigs or do I have the one that has two terabytes? Do I have the 16 gigs of Ram or do I have 32 gigs of Ram? 
And that's how I see like the three versus the S like it's, I don't know. I just don't see it as like a luxury car. I, I would see more like a Mercedes or a BMW or something like that as a luxury car with Tesla. I just see it as a piece of tech. Uh, it's weird. Yeah, no, for me, I've never seen, I never seen the model three or, or, or Y as a, as a luxury car. I've always seen it as like, you know, cause when you sit in it, um, it's like, you know, compared to, to model S or X, though, those, I would say they're more they're like the luxury, but three and Y, I think they're just like, you know, they're non-luxury for sure. And going back to your point, Farza, that you were saying that, um, with the, with the, with the iPhone, um, example, you said that, you know, the richest guy in the world has the same phone as you do and cars are going to be the same thing. I highly do believe that. I highly do believe we're in this re revolution um, stage that with EV, because look, Tesla is only going to make a certain amount of vehicles. That's a certain standard, like how, like how Apple is with their phones. Eventually what's going to happen is that everyone's going to be driving an EV that have the same features like FSD, for example, by 2030, 2035, at that point, just send the car, put in the GPS and the thing will drive wherever you want it to go. This will be a normal thing in my view, at least. So okay. yeah, that's why that, that's what I got to say for that. Okay. Um, all right. Should we do a, should we do a couple more? Do, do you, do y'all have any questions on your end? You want to Nick has show, to run, Joshua? I think. Yeah. You guys Nick keep going. Run? Okay. I got to bounce, but, uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, Peggy, appreciate you uh, inviting right. me to this. And yeah, man. Thank you, you for coming, man. Yeah, man. Take yeah, care. appreciate you. Yeah, we'll do a couple more and then we'll, we'll call it here. Um, right. Yash, did you have any on your side that you want to uh, yeah, sure. mention? Um, so one is, will Elon announce the next Gigafactory location by the end of the year? Yes or no? No. Will you say that again? Will, will, that. will there be a next Gigafactory location by the end now? of the year? Um, man, I really hope so. I had my, had my hopes up for that. Um, oh. hopefully uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. I'm, I'm yeah. hoping by, by uh, Q4 earnings, hopefully there's something, but, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's getting too tight to, for them to announce anything for end of the year, to be honest, if anything, it'll be Q4. And if yeah. nothing happens then, then I don't know. Uh, maybe first quarter of, of, of 2023, but for sure they're cooking something. I can smell it. Okay. <laughs> what do you think, Josh? Yeah, no, um, I don't think it'll happen by the end of the year. I think middle of next year, probably now. Yeah. I think it will be unveiled with the robo taxi. Okay. So that's a long ways away. <laughs> then. Oh, I, I think, so I think, but I think this car could be unveiled in Q1 or Q2 of next year. Okay. I think, I think it's coming really? sooner than. Wow. Yeah, and I got I got to think through this because then we're thinking Osborne effect, and we're thinking about cannibalizing demand, and what are the implications there? One of the theories I don't remember if it was you, Yash, or somebody else. Like they said, somebody said they're not going to unveil the robot taxi until it's literally about to roll off the lines. But that means building the production line in secret, and I don't know how that's going to yeah, be. That's tough. That's going to be impossible, I think. So it's the rollout of this car is going to be very, very fascinating. Hmm. Um, Pedro, do, do you have any questions on your side? You want to highlight? Um, yeah, no, no. Um, next year, Robo Taxi. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, if you think about it, if they want to reach the twenty million uh, by twenty thirty, they're gonna do it sooner than later. Um, in, in my view, I don't think they're gonna reach twenty million by twenty thirty. Most likely, you know, early twenty thirty. Most likely, that's what's gonna happen. But by twenty thirty, reaching twenty million, 
it's getting tight, to be honest with you, unless they go ahead and release the RoboTaxi as soon as possible and scale it up as soon as possible. Okay. So, yeah, if you say next year, man, I mean, I'd be awesome, but I'm skeptical. Okay. One one comment I want to highlight, I see it here pinned from Richard, um, who also, I, I was reading the chat, I was catching up. He was saying um, that states don't actually determine anything with legislation on robo-taxis. So maybe it'd be a good one for you, because I know he's on your channel all the time, uh, Farzad, yeah. maybe to go into, because he has a legal background, more in depth on the rules and regulations of who gets to veto what, what municipalities can take over, that sort of thing, because it sounds like we might have said something off base. So here's the thing. Richard has thought about starting a YouTube channel that covers this type of material nice. where he gives a, like a legal background on how it impacts Tesla and other things. So, Richard, I think you should just start, bro. I okay. think this will be a perfect first video for you. Nice. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So we'll, we'll, th that will be the push for him to get us the answer, I hope. <laughs> but that's a great point. I think I think that's that's missing. That's missing from our discussions because we're over here like talking like we know what, what we're talking about from this legalese perspective. But like and regulations and stuff, but we were making our best guesses and having an actual lawyer come out and provide that insight. I think it's going to be tremendously valuable for the community. Um, yeah, let's do let's do one more uh, okay. producer wife. Bring up one more and then we'll call it. Which one's going to be five, four, three. Matthew, thank you so much. Five dollars super chat. Are we wrong on taxi? Is the updated model three the taxi two? Um you're talking about the the plans that they have to sort of come out with a refresh model three late next year. I think that's what they're what they're um, alluding to. I think that's just a cheaper model three. I, I think that's a, excuse me, a more profitable model three that's going to have front and rear castings. It's going to have the same platform as the model Y. It'll have full self driving, but I don't think that's Robo Taxi. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I had a super chat like this too from Sean um, saying the revamped Model 3 will be the new cheap car, one gig casting uh, to revamped the electrical system as well. Yeah, I mean, who's to say? I don't, I agree. I don't think it's the robo taxi though. Um, I think, I think that's an, uh, that's an entirely different make and model of, of car. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tesla lowering costs on the Model 3 is still like maybe it's a like i don't know I, i'm not going to discount it i'd say probably less than 10 percent chance of the the revamp model 3 being the robo taxi but it, it would make sense though wouldn't it like if they can work away on the interior to redo everything and on the outside it just looks the same i don't know what it would make sense though that would mean having a lot of legacy production systems though that are first generation that are going to be incredibly inefficient i don't, I don't know if they can get to like lowest cost per mile by reworking model three i think they'll have to make brand new lines for them to get there that's that's kind of why i'm thinking it's not it's not that it would make sense but that literally means gutting the entire production facility and putting in a new one and at that point just screw the model three <laughs> yeah, so don't even make it you know model. just Fair make enough. something different that's how i think about it yeah um okay let's call it there peggy yashu yes. nico Thank you all very much. Peggy, you want to say some final words since this was your idea? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, um, and I think I think um, all of us should have some sort of a message to like Tesla investors who are watching and are shaken up that the stock is, you know, down 60%. I have one little um, example that I want to um, throw, out, throw out out there that I think will help them out and not really be shaken up because this is a, this is normal. Stocks dropping 60% from time to time. It's a bear market recession. It's definitely normal. 
Um, what I want, what I want to do as an example here, so you can, you know, um, be more relaxed is, um, Tesla is down 60%, about 600 billion valuation off, like from 1.1 trillion to about 550 billion in valuation. Um, if we look at Apple stock, they're down 15, 16%. Now, obviously if you, if you do a comparison from Tesla to Apple in their charts, you know, obviously Apple looks a whole lot more safer. It's a whole, it looks like, you know, they're not falling as bad, but then when you look at the valuation, they've lost about $700 billion in valuation from 3 trillion to 2.3. So when you take the valuation loss and compared of Apple and compared to Tesla, it's very similar. And when then, when you look at it from a broader view, Amazon, Google, Meta, well, rip Meta, but you know, all the other, you know, um, high valued companies, they've all lost a certain amount. So what I'm trying to say here is that when you try to compare, like, for example, Tesla to Apple, and when you look at the market, uh, the chart, the chart says it's down 15%, 16% compared to Tesla being down 50, 60%. Don't think that just because Tesla's down 60%, Apple is a much better or long-term investment. Of course, Apple is, is Apple. They're going to do great in the long term. They're going to continue crushing it. But in essence, Apple has lost more valuation than, te than Tesla. So. What I'm trying to say here is that don't let the minus the negative 50%, 60% scare you. Just relax, calm down, look at the facts, zoom out and see what's happening in the broader market. And I think if more investors just look at that way and not just solely focus on, oh, look, Tesla's down like six, you know, 10% today, 12% today. Um, I think there'll be a lot more calmer that it's, it's not just Tesla. It's literally everybody. Okay. So, that's what I'm trying to say here. So, um, Tesla investors relax. If you're a long-term investor, you're going to do well, obviously not, not financial advice, but long-term. I was going to um, say, this sounds like financial advice. <laughs> yeah, not financial advice, but timing the market always beats, you know, timing the market. I've been in the, you know, in stock market for like 10 years, 11 years. Um, it's a cycle. We're going to get through it. I'm going to come out stronger than ever. So that's all I got to say. Nice. Yash, you want to take it or should I, should I take this one? Take it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think moments like these are the perfect time to sit down and think through why you've allocated money to where to the places you have. For me, a huge learning lesson for, for, for this bear market, which was my first one, was that it doesn't matter how great you think a company is, you're at the whims of the market. And so what I learned was prepare yourself in a way, uh, maximize your chances of that bear market not affecting your mental and your emotional state. Because the last thing you want to do is make a decision based on emotion. And maximizing the chances of being logical it was my biggest takeaway. Thankfully, I, I was smart enough to kind of do that. But I still, there were moments in time where I'm like, well, I, this, I'm a little stressed. <laughs> I'm a little stressed. And I think that's that's okay. I think we're all human and, and we're allowed to feel that way. So I think my biggest takeaway was, again, emotion is never a good uh, decision maker. Data is the best decision maker. So uh, try to build a life that allows you, in my opinion, that allows you to maximize those efforts related to making decisions on data and constantly test your hypothesis. If you feel like, you have something wrong. Use those downturns to dig into the negative stories and test your own hypothesis. Read Tesla Q. Read bear reports. 
force yourself out of your bubble and be exposed to those tough times. Double down on being uncomfortable because that ultimately you can use those moments to really uh, strengthen your thesis or or you'll be like, you know what? These people have a point. Maybe I should sell, right? Because it doesn't fit my investing profile. So I think for me, it's, it's a perfect time to sit down and exercise that. And that would, that's my biggest takeaway and something that I wanted to pass on to to folks so hopefully that's helpful yes yeah you, you hit you hit the nail on the head man um investing is it shouldn't be an emotional thing unfortunately for most most people it is it should be more of a data-driven and long-term investing sure yeah all right on eat some juju guys go relax have a good time i mean <laughs> at the end of the day like i i've just had like uh, you know not to go too much but you know just had realizations a lot recently that you know Life is not, I don't want to get, I'm just going to start preaching, but you know, life is, it, it, there's Please more do. to life, more to life than Tesla. Of course, I know this channel is geared toward Tesla, but, and this is not because of the bear market, but just in general, I've had some realizations lately that, you know, what you prioritize in your life is, is, is your unique weighting of what you, what's important to you. And re and during these times, reanalyze what's important to you, it, you know, and, and maybe you'll realize that connection, family, friends, community, like we have here. Um, is it needs a higher weighting and needs a higher prioritization in your life. That, that's what I'm uh, at least realizing uh, for me. So I hope everyone's well. Do uh, do have some juju to, uh, today, though, and have some vitamin C because I, I think we could all uh, use it. <laughs> yes, definitely. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody in the comments section. Thank you, Paji. Thank you, Yashu. Thanks thank you, Nico. Appreciate you guys very much. And of course, last but not least, thank you, producer wife, for yes. running the show in the background. Yes, Great job. Give yourself a round of applause there, uh, lady. Look at that. Look at perfect. This is she's magic. <laughs> that's there we go. That's her, that's the right, everybody. Have so a guys, great Tuesday. Care. We'll see you around. Take care, guys. Peace. Thank you. See ya.